picture this. You're cramming for a big test the night before it happens. It's 11 p.m. and your eyelids are drooping over some annoying derivative chain rule problems. You decide to keep trudging on with no respite from the calculus. Suddenly it's two in the morning and you can't continue anymore and you're forced to retire for the night. And you rinse and repeat for your entire finals week. We've all been there and yet we know it's unhealthy. In this episode of the Amygdala Podcast, we'll talk about why, and what we can do, and what others can do to help correct our behavior. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Amygdala Podcast. I'm your host, Sidhan Kamali, and this is episode 2, where we discuss the relationship between sleep and the adolescent brain. What happens in the brain during sleep? Sleep is the body's way of recovering from the day's events, and the brain is no exception. During sleep, the brain consolidates memories, meaning that it strengthens connections that have already strong memories and prunes away the ones that are weaker. In adolescence, this process of competitive memory elimination is put into overdrive, so we need more sleep than we normally get. Naturally, adolescents sleep later than younger kids since with puberty, the body's biological clock shifts forwards, so rather than 8.30 p.m., bedtime on a good day becomes 10 p.m. However, the problem is that high schoolers uh, get around 7.5 hours of sleep a night on average, according to the CDC, and even that, in my experience, is highballing it, as opposed to younger kids who might get 10 hours a night. This leads adolescents to be more sleepy in the daytime, and when we're in school, this can lead to drowsiness in class, and an inability to use, or like a less uh, dampened ability to use the incredible capacity to learn new things we are granted with adolescence. And when we're caught in scenarios like the cramming for the test scenario, we are liable to, to not do well during classes. So even if you prepared all day and stayed up the day before the test, it is likely that the sudden sleep deprivation affected your ability to perform at your highest level during the test. Apart from memories, another important thing that happens in dreamland is the sleep cycle, which alternates between, or might mainly alternates between two types of sleep. There is the slow wave sleep, which is characterized by a decrease in sympathetic nervous activity and an increase in parasympathetic nervous activity. The sympathetic nervous system is responsible for the fight or flight response and the parasympathetic is responsible for the resting response, that is the body's default state. And slow wave sleep is also the secretion of growth hormone. So that's where the body recovers from the day's events. Like if you have a hard, if you've had a hard game during the day, your body will heal during the slow wave sleep mainly. Slow wave sleep is important for memory consolidation. The other stage is REM sleep, which, stats, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep, and is involved in formation of memories and dreaming. In fact, most of our dreams come through in REM sleep. However, REM sleep only lasts uh, 10 minutes uh, per cycle. 
The REM sleep allows for new connections to form within the brain's cortex that hold long-term episodic memories. And the hippocampus and the amygdala are responsible for most of the formation of these emotional and short-term memories. And each sleep cycle lasts around 90 minutes, with around 75 minutes going to slow-wave sleep and 10 to 15 minutes going to REM sleep. And teenagers need around six of these cycles, resulting in a drum roll, please. Grand total of nine hours of sleep that we must get each night for proper muscle repair, growth, and formation, and consolidation of memories. We must try to get try our best to get these nine hours every day. Actually, sometimes a little less is excusable, but don't get it down to like six or so. But yeah, we have to try our best to get nine each day because the phenomenon of sleep debt or sleeping more when you have time to quote-unquote catch up on lost sleep is a myth. Our body is needs a consistent sleep schedule, otherwise the biological clock will be very confused. There is a tiny clump of neurons in the hypothalamus, which is a part of the brain that regulates the body's natural state, called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is extremely sensitive to light and thus can tell the difference between day and night. It uses neurotransmitters such as orexin, an excitatory one, and melatonin, an inhibitory neurotransmitter, to rouse and ease the body respectively for waking and sleeping. This miniature yet mighty structure needs a consistent sleep-wake cycle for normal body function, and so getting a consistent number of hours of sleep each night really helps. However, a form of sleep that can exist so long as you only stay up on one night. Like if you really just have one test that is bugging you and you need to knock it out, you be free to stay up that night. But I mean, study throughout the the finals period. So don't, you know, that's very not advisable. But if you must, the body will make it back. This is because a neurotransmitter called adenosine can rebound slow wave activity to make it correspond with the lost sleep time. So we use adenosine, the neurotransmitter, to make back the lost sleep of one, of one day only. What actions can we take to regulate our sleep schedule so that we're more active? Just saying to sleep more is not enough because, as we mentioned, adolescents undergo the phase delay, which makes us sleepy later and our days start earlier. One thing we can do is to keep the same sleep schedule on weekends as well. During regular school time, like that is not exam weeks, it has been most effective for me and some of my friends to sleep at the same time every night around 11pm. And keeping a regular routine for studying and other activities is also beneficial for so that for when exam time rolls around, you don't find yourself cramming. I do not want to sound dismissive, so I will say that if your personal situation is different, please do find a routine so that you can sleep more effectively. Routine forming is mediated primarily by this corticostriatal sensor motor loop, which connects the decision-making cerebral cortex which to the striatum, which, and the striatum is a 
basal ganglia structure involved in habit forming, reward perception, and reinforcement learning. So if you make a habit of anything, like let's say sleeping early, your striatum will likely catch on and take over that habit rather than using the cerebral cortex's high-order decision-making to make that task. Interestingly, habitual behavior is associated with stress. So the morning before a major exam, we tend to rely on habits. And in my experience, it's been like that. I can attest to this. So the morning before an exam, I exited the sleeping stage. Uh, that is a fancy word for woke up a lot earlier than I normally do. And I followed a routine without doing anything extra or missing any step. So what we can do is try to form a routine, but not be robotic. It means that while there can be exceptions to the routine, generally go to sleep at a consistent time. So now activating the striatum through the cortical striatal loop is the best thing we can do. But what can others do to help us? Mainly our schools. What can they do? This question has been in researchers' minds since the beginning of adolescent research. A classic study done by Dr. Mary Karskadon, an eminent U.S. sleep researcher at Stanford University in 1998, showed that the biological clock can oppose the suprachiasmatic nucleus's sleep-wake cycle, leading students to be more aroused during times when they should be more tired. This was the main discovery saying that teenagers need as much or more sleep than they did when they were younger children. And so schools, which normally start between 7 and 7.30 a.m., or sometimes maybe a little later, were not allowing teens to get that sleep. In response to this study, some schools have adopted later start times at around 8.30 to 8.40. In, one, in particular, one school in Seattle started school uh, that started school at 8:45 have shown that high schoolers at schools that start later improved their grades by an average of 4.5%. A potential counterargument to the idea of later start times is that we may not be able to learn as much, but as explained in the previous episode, the adolescent brain has incredible learning potential, and when it is at its best, when it is running at its best with uh, on adequate sleep lectures will be more interesting will naturally pick up on the information and we will continue to improve our grades and we will continue to be kind of healthier with more sleep thank you so much everyone for listening in this has been the episode of the amygdala podcast titled the adolescent brain and sleep Please write any feedback in the comments or at amygdalapodcast.com. Please also follow this podcast on Instagram at, at amygdala underscore podcast and on Patreon at patreon.com slash amygdalapodcast. I hope you all enjoyed and we will return for the next episode.